0: Welcome to Seas for Creepy. My name is Elise. And my name's Courtney. Join us every week as we discuss our favorite true crime and paranormal stories from A to Z.
1: Hey guys, thanks for listening to our first episode of Seas for Creepy last week. It was super fun, and I'm so excited to keep the ball rolling on this podcast. It was really great and good fun to see all the feedback and response from our listeners. So last week, we were so excited to start recording that we kind of rushed through the opening. So I just wanted to say a little about myself. My name is Elise. I love all things true crime. It's the topic that really sends shivers down my spine. I also have a big dog and two cats with my husband. I'm really excited to share some of my favorite creepy
0: crime stories with you. And a little introduction about myself. My name is Courtney and I love everything paranormal, ghosts, the creepy, the unexplained, all of it. I have two large dogs named Zeus and Harley and two cats named Monty and Hades living with my fiance Jeff. We love to cuddle up and watch those horror movies all the time. And I'm excited to be able to share some of my favorite paranormal stories with you. So
1: this week, the letter we are pairing is B. There was a lot of different options to go with, but I ended up selecting a personal favorite of mine, body snatching. Yes, so excited. Yes, from Encyclopedia Britannica. Body snatching is defined as the illicit removal of corpses from graves or morgues during the eighteenth and nineteenth centuries. Cadavers thus obtained were typically sold to medical schools for the study of anatomy.
0: They dug up corpses yes. and gave them
1: to schools. Yes. Well, they didn't just give them, they did sell
0: them. And that's still mortifying. To think that back then it's just free game. Well, body snatchers
1: rarely dug up the entire coffin. Instead, they would only dig around the head area of the grave. The body then would be hoisted up with ropes and a metal hook head first. This method was the most efficient way to snatch a bod.
0: Kinda like a butterfly out of a cocoon. Kind of. Yeah. Oh man. Yes. <laughs> okay Mm -hmm.
1: so to your earlier point even though it wasn't morally great it technically wasn't illegal what was illegal was stealing possessions from the grave as well as the, the dissection of the corpse until 1832 in britain when they passed the anatomy act which allowed medical practitioners and students to dissect corpses Only executed murderers could be used for dissection. So that was a very small amount of bodies that could be studied
0: on. But like, now, I guess this is like more of a moral question here. But you can't steal jewelry from the bodies. No. But what if you steal my entire body with the jewelry on it? is that a gray area actually yeah it
1: was that was a very clear-cut area um body snatchers would make sure to remove all the clothing and every all the possessions on the corpse and just take like the naked body with them
0: okay okay um yeah you would have to be really dedicated Mm Mhm. okay Mm -hmm. yeah that is wild okay yeah So, body snatchers
1: were at risk of bodily harm while robbing graves and transporting the bodies from the public, who were against both the act of robbing and the dissection. Civilians would cause resurrection riots. One of the largest took place in 1788, New York, which left 6 to 20 people dead. Okay. Yeah.
0: So, they're just protecting their dead.
1: Yeah. That's... Yeah. Well, and it was mostly the poorer people whose bodies ended up getting snatched because, you know, richer graveyards and stuff could hire more security. It was harder to get to. So it was really sad. Um, People actually used to spend like a few days after their loved ones died just guarding because after a few days, the corpse wasn't great for dissection.
0: Wow. Could you imagine that family meeting? Like, okay, today it's your turn, tomorrow it's my turn. We just need to sit with Auntie for a few days.
1: Yep, gotta protect her.
0: That would be so sad.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. No, it was. It was a dark night on the evening of November 16th, 1957, when the police arrived at the old farmhouse. The suspect was already in custody. After trying the front door to the house and finding it locked, The police moved around to the back of the house where there was an old shed. There was no electricity on the property, so flashlights illuminated the scene. Once inside, what these small-town officers discovered would shake Plainfield and the rest of its nation to its core.
0: Ooh, hit me with it. Hit me.
1: Born August 26, 1906. Edward Theodore Gein.
0: No way. Yes. I, I didn't realize he was a body snatcher. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, I, I honestly, maybe I haven't, like, listened to the story close enough, but I always thought that he actually murdered all of his victims. I didn't realize we'll he was a grave robber. Yeah. Well, not just a grave robber, right? A body
1: snatcher. <laughs> Okay, so Edward went by Ed, and he was the second of two children born to Augusta and George. The family had been living in La Crosse County in Wisconsin. The couple remained together, although both very unhappy, in part due to Augusta's deep religious beliefs. George drank excessively and was known to physically abuse both of his sons, Henry and Ed. That's sad. Yeah, yeah. Well, what George dealt the boys in physical abuse, Augusta served them even harsher mental abuse via her religious teachings.
0: It's really not a wonder why Ed is on our roster of mm-hmm. crimes, but yes. okay.
1: Okay. Yeah. It should be noted that Augusta uh, was also known to physically punish her children as well. Henry and Ed were taught the world was an immoral and sinful place, and Augusta did everything in her power to isolate them for their own protection. Leaving the house only to go to school, Ed was considered a shy oddball. Who primarily kept to himself, if Ed did try to make a friend, Augusta would punish him, ensuring he would be alone. She taught him violent passages of the Bible and lectured Ed on the abhorrent, lustful nature of all women,
0: excluding herself, of course, but how do you-how do you want that for your child? Like, you can't have any friends, and all women are lustful, evil people, except me. I am wonderful. I have no idea. I don't... I don't understand the thought process. I don't either.
1: No, I really, oh. really don't. No, but these teachings of hers would ultimately lead to his demise. Okay. Augusta moved the family out of Lacrosse to a farmhouse about six miles out of Plainfield when Ed was eight years old. The village had a maximum of 800 residents ever living there at any given time.
0: Not a lot of bodies. No,
1: no. Most of the people who lived in the nondescript area had lived their whole lives here, as had their parents before them. Moving to the small town was an effective way to further isolate her boys from the evil temptations of the outside world. Ed was rarely allowed to leave the property, dropping out of school at either 12 or 13 to work on the farm. In 1914, George Gein died from heart failure Leaving Augusta and her boys to fend for themselves. Was
0: it actually heart failure?
1: Well, it does say that there was like a heart issue. It didn't really specify
0: if there was foul play.
1: If there was, I mean, he was also an excessive drinker. Like who knows what other vices he had, so. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, all the science pro went to uh, natural causes. Okay. Henry and Ed began working odd jobs about town. They were known to be reliable, hard-working individuals, albeit a little strange. Henry also disagreed with his mother's teachings and was concerned about the hold she had over Ed. Henry tried to drive a wedge between
0: the two by speaking ill of Augusta to Ed. I'm kind of surprised that that didn't have more of an impact on Ed. Because, I I don't know about you, but, like, sometimes siblings, you can share the same ideas. And if one has one idea and they're constantly imposing it on the other, usually that sibling starts to follow. Sometimes, yeah.
1: But I think, like, the hold that Augusta had over Ed was just so overwhelmingly powerful that there was no way even a brother could break that bond so okay yeah gross disaster struck the keen family farm in 1944 when a fire set part of the property ablaze the two brothers went to deal with the fire themselves However, it got out of control, drawing the attention of the fire department. Henry had been found dead in the aftermath, although suspiciously, his death wasn't caused by the fire. No. Autopsy reports found head trauma as the cause of death, but his death was ruled as an accident. How is head trauma an accident could have fallen down and bopped his head right
0: i guess yeah i think my question here is did ed decide to do that on his own or did augusta be like we need to get rid of him
1: there's never been any confirmation that ed killed his brother is just very yeah very heavily implied and speculated okay yeah okay but this left mother and son alone. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. Well, a stroke left Augusta paralyzed and Ed became her sole caregiver. In 1945, Augusta had a second stroke and the complications of which caused her death. Ed was now all alone. (laughs) After his mother's passing, Gein boarded up the uh, rooms in the house his mother used, living in only a small room off the kitchen. So it's actually, like, really eerie. There are
0: photos of, like, the preserved rooms that his mother had used. This sounds just like Norman Bates. Well, we'll get to it. Oh, that's... Okay. (laughs) So not only has he now preserved his mother's room mm-hmm. and is living in a small location yeah. by himself. He's mm-hmm. oh man. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So he had quote lost his only
1: friend and his one true love. Ooh, Icky. Yeah. He was absolutely alone in the world. End quote. In- Filled his days when he wasn't working odd jobs around town with reading magazines and books containing topics such as murder, death, adventures, and anatomy.
0: Like, if you go through my Google history, same.
1: Especially now, after starting the podcast, 100%, I would get some weird looks. (laughs) Okay. Yep. Bernice Warden, a fifty eight year old woman who was the local hardware store owner, went missing under suspicious circumstances. Her son, as well as the majority of the town, had been out of town deer hunting as the season had just started. Frank Warden, her son, had returned to the hardware store and found the cash register open, blood smeared on the floor, and his mother missing. Officers quickly turned their suspicions to Geen, as he had been at the store the day before, acting odd. Also, the last receipt found was a gallon of antifreeze, which
0: Gein had purchased. Did we ever find out what he did with the antifreeze?
1: Not really, no, just that he was buying a lot of it. And acting real weird about it. Okay. Yep. Yep. Arrested in the grocery store later that evening, the police took the opportunity to search the farmhouse. They found piles of garbage in the dilapidated house, but what they discovered in the shed would turn their world upside down. Ooh. Body snatch and shed. Well, hanging from a beam by her ankles was the body of Bernice Warden. She had been murdered from a shop by a twenty-two caliber rifle. After her death, Bernice had been decapitated and cut down the middle of her torso
0: the mess that that would create well yes oh my goodness like that poor lady no it was awful so
1: it was from the pubic bone down to like to the top of her ribcage so like every other article had quoted it saying that she was split like a deer like gutted like a deer basically but like i hate that phrasing it just like she's a person she's not a deer like i hate the phrasing of that so
0: that's my very big criticism for every other article that I read. Um, was she at least? Yeah, she was dead before this happened. Okay.
1: Yeah, like the only saving grace of this. Yeah. This wouldn't be the only grizzly discovery,
0: however. Of course not.
1: Found on the property was the remains of dozens of humans. Some repurposed. Findings <laughs> include... <laughs> Oh, man. Okay. Okay. I got a list for ya. Four
0: noses. Just chilling in a box. Yes. Well,
1: some of these are specified. Some of these aren't.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: Whole human bones and fragments. Nine masks of human skin. Bowls made from human skulls. Ten female heads with the top sawed off. Human skin covering several chair seats. Mary Warden's head in a paper bag. Bernice Warden's head in a burlap sack. Okay, now get ready to cringe. This one's awful. Like, even worse than everything before. Nine vulvas in a shoebox.
0: Ew. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm
0: Mhm. Like, what was his plan with those? Saving them for later. I don't know. I also like. Are is is it mummified by this point, or I don't know
1: about mummified, but definitely dried up. There was also skulls on the bedpost, organs in the refrigerator, a pair of lips on the drawstring for a window shade
0: okay okay these lips how like i just i need to know was it the two separate lips was it like cut around the lips did he like i just i don't understand how that how he would think that that would be a great shade
1: unfortunately i don't know I also really don't want to know. I know there there's people out there that have recreated some of this in their own interpretation from like office I hope not human flesh, but there's some sick puppies out there.
0: No kidding. Okay.
1: There was also a belt made from human nipples.
0: Oh, I've seen photos of that. Yeah. Or photos of the recreation. Yeah oh mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm.
1: and the last item was a lampshade made from the skin of a human face
0: that is atrocious mm-hmm. but I also kind of need to know if when you turned the lamp on did the face project onto the wall
1: <laughs> I have no idea
0: oh god like I know that's a horrible question <laughs> but like I am genuinely curious <laughs> I have no idea. (laughs) Okay. Okay.
1: After all the remains were discovered, they were photographed for evidence and then destroyed. So people are like, oh, you can see the photographs. I've looked for the photographs. All I was able to find were the recreations. I'm okay with
0: that. But yeah, yeah, that shouldn't be out there. Good. Rightfully (laughs) so. Mm -hmm. I, nobody should ever own any of that.
1: No. No, absolutely not.
0: Okay, so
1: 18 months after his mother's death, Gean started visiting graveyards. He claimed he was in a dazed-like state during these nocturnal visits and started exhuming recently deceased women. It is speculated that he would read obituaries of middle-aged women who reminded him of his mother and that is how he would know which bodies to snatch. Gross. Mm -hmm. When he dug the graves, he didn't always take the entire body. Sometimes he would only take the parts he wanted for his collection. Allegedly, Geen wanted to become his mother and did so by making a suit from the skins of the corpses he stole. Okay, 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 okay.
0: So, if he wanted to recreate his mother, why didn't he just take her?
1: That was my question too. A number of masks made from human faces were found, and all of the bodies snatched and murdered were middle-aged women who could help Gene bring his fantasy to life. So I had the exact same thought. If you wanted to become his mother, leave the other women alone. Why don't you snatch her? Right. Right?
0: Like, why did you even ever surrender her body? Why wouldn't you just keep it? Okay.
1: So the answer, according to Harold Schechter, author of the 1989 book Deviant, is that Gene did try. There's evidence that he initially tried to get the body of his mother but the soil in that part of Wisconsin is very sandy. A lot of graves are lined with these concrete linings, and he couldn't get to it. And also, let's not forget, it was about 18 months after he started visiting the graveyard, so his mother wouldn't have usable um, parts left.
0: Okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. While in custody... Gein confessed to the murder of Mary Hogan and Bernice Warden. Despite his confession, it was considered inadmissible in court as one of the officers physically assaulted him while in custody.
0: I don't blame that officer. I feel like all of them probably needed some therapy after seeing that.
1: Oh, well, one of the... I I don't have this in my notes, but one of the officers who first arrived on the scene was the son of the victim hanging there
0: no yeah oh that poor man
1: right i couldn't even imagine walking in and seeing that
0: no it, and with such a small community right everybody's going to be angry especially you know everybody mm-hmm. so all of these quote-unquote crafts mm-hmm they know the person mm-hmm i could definitely see some pent-up anger there
1: oh a hundred percent a hundred percent so it is really too bad that the original confession was considered inadmissible. though. though um, when Gein was brought to court he pleaded not guilty by reason of insanity after being found mentally unfit to stand trial Gein was sent to the Central State Hospital for the Criminally Insane. In 1968, it was determined Gein was sane enough to stand trial. Starting November 14th, 1968, the
0: trial only lasted a week. (laughs) Easy trial. Okay.
1: Very easy trial. Yeah. Thank goodness for the victims' families. Mm Mm-hmm. He was found guilty on first-degree murder for the death of Bernie's warden, But due to being legally insane, Gein was sent to a mental hospital.
0: Where I hope he spent the rest of his days in a padded room. Well,
1: Gein died in 1984 while in the Mental Health Institute from respiratory and cardiac complications due to cancer. So, like, that's a really long life.
0: Yeah. Mm hmm. Sorry, how old was he?
1: Ah, uh, I did not calculate that. He was born in 1906 and died in 1984.
0: So he was 78?
1: Mm. Oh, yeah, that sounds right. I don't. know. Don't judge our math <laughs> no, if it's yeah, wrong. Please don't.
0: <laughs> wow.
1: Mm hmm. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Gein's crime had a lasting effect on the nation's pop culture, being the inspiration for three notable victims, including Norman Bates from Psycho, Leatherface from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs.
0: I can see every single one of those. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm.
1: While in custody, his farmhouse was burnt to the ground, thought to have been an an act of arson
0: an act of arson or an act of anger
1: Well, like, both.
0: i honestly i wouldn't want that place standing if oh. it was my family that mm-hmm. my family member found mm-hmm. wipe oh. it off the face of the earth yeah
1: yeah well and ooh, i don't remember the exact quote i didn't write it down but begin did say oh ah! like he was very um about it like it didn't really matter to him that the house burnt
0: down did he care about anything besides his mother
1: i don't think so i think that she had warped him so much like that was the only thing he cared about
0: like you think he would have been upset that his recreations of his mother were gone as well but Mm -hmm. it, it doesn't sound like
1: no i don't know okay yeah His car, a 1949 Ford sedan, was auctioned off for $760, so in 2022 dollars, that is (laughs) $7,393.51. It was bought by a carnival sideshow who charged $0.25 for curious carnival goers to go view it. And that... Is the case of Ed Gein, with body snatching.
0: Wow, that. I'm not gonna lie. When I first heard body snatching, I was literally thinking like aliens stealing people (laughs) off the street, (laughs) because that is my forte in life. But damn, that's wild. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, uh, The cocooning of people, that's horrible. Yeah. And like, how did he never get caught?
1: you know it's wild like the police when he first confessed to body snatching didn't believe that one person working alone in one night could steal a full body until they double checked and found the graves missing so i have no idea how he didn't get caught
0: but no and how long was he hunting for do you know was there a time frame that, like, I guess when his mom died, sixteen As, months after?
1: Yeah, yeah, eighteen months after that. So, and from then until nineteen fifty-seven.
0: So, how many years was that? How do you keep asking me? For I'm now? sorry. <laughs> uh, nineteen
1: fifty-seven, and his mom died in nineteen forty-five. So, a little over a decade
0: wow yeah that's crazy Mm -hmm. that oh yeah and were they able to identify some of the bones and
1: there wasn't dna testing there and i think they were able to match up uh some of the like some of the graves that were empty Mm -hmm. but yeah yeah. holy shit i don't know if all of the bodies were accounted for
0: that's so sad
1: it is i think it's a really interesting case and i'm happy to cover it
0: yeah that's a great b
1: yep great b (laughs) all
0: right so are you ready for some paranormal yes awesome my letter b i'm doing the banff springs hotel ooh yeah um i'm doing a close to home story for us and every year i drive past this hotel and it's beautiful and i'm gonna have to actually stop in and see it i've always wanted to visit that hotel yeah it's gorgeous so i'm gonna give you a little bit of history about this hotel and then i'm gonna get into the stories cool so this historic hotel located in Banff, alberta canada within the rocky mountains this hotel opened in 1888 by the canadian pacific railway as one of the earliest of the canadian grand railway hotels this hotel now includes 757 guest suites and several event rooms wow so that's today what
1: and like so it's expanded quite a bit over the years oh yeah nice yes. okay cool
0: yeah, so the original building opened to the public in 1888 and was shaped as an H, including an octagonal center hall with an additional wing extended towards the Bow River.
1: Ooh.
0: A mistake made by the builder changed the intended orientation of the building, turning its back on the mountain vista. Oh, that's really shitty for a hotel. Yeah, I, I bet he... Was not hired back. No, one star review, right? <laughs> uh, the building had stone accents and tiered verandas. At the end of each wing, the original structure cost two hundred and fifty thousand dollars in eighteen eighty eight. Okay, and today's equivalent, Ooh. it is seven million three hundred thirty seven thousand dollars. Sweet Jesus! Yeah. The original building had over 100 rooms centered on a five-story octagonal rotunda. Okay. An addition in 1902 expanded and added 200 more rooms. Wow. Cool. I don't know why, but it
1: always blows me away. Like 1902. It's not really that long ago, but still like they're doing all these additions and...
0: Right? I I don't know. Like that just blows my mind. (laughs) Like (laughs) what? 300 rooms in 1902. Mm-hmm. It's pretty yeah. impressive. Uh-huh. So, in 1906, plans started to advance for a complete overhaul of the Banff Springs Hotel, proposing a replacement of much of the original structures. Walter Painter, chief architect for Canadian Pacific Railway, designed an 11-story central tower in concrete and stone. Oh Planked- my I'm
1: sorry to cut you
0: off. His name's
1: Painter, and he's an architect.
0: Kind of ironic. I I love it. That's I beautiful. love that so
1: much for him.
0: Though I feel like he probably didn't do any painting. I mean, he should have. I feel like he definitely should have. Should have put a mural in there. Right? <sighs> but alas. This central tower was flanked by two wings, this time correctly oriented to the mountain. Yes, good. The Painter Tower was completed in 1914 at the cost of $2 million. Oof. Today, that's 55,760. dollars Oh my god. Or 760000 Holy. With 300 suites, and it became the tallest building in Canada for a while. Wow. Yeah. Construction of the new wings were delayed by World War I from 1914 to 1918. And then after World War I, further renovations expanded the painter tower, altering the roofline and adding additions. In 1926, while work was proceeding on the new wings, a fire destroyed the remainder of the original building. Oh. The two new wings completed and opened in 1928. Wow. So they actually, like, constantly were doing... Something to... To this building. That's wild. Yeah. And then from 1942 to 1945... The hotel was shut down to free up labor for the war effort. Oh, yep. That makes sense. Of World War II. Yep. Yeah. In 1968, the building underwent a process of winterization, mm-hmm. allowing the hotel to operate year-round. Awesome. I always thought it would have been earlier. Mm, especially being a railway hotel. That is true. Yeah, that's a good point. I would have thought it would have been, like, way yeah. earlier. Yeah. But maybe they just didn't have the ability
1: i guess yeah like you're building in alberta why would you not winterize it as soon as
0: possible right where it's minus 25 for six months a year Mm -hmm. if you're lucky right (laughs) like today's Mm. 10 centimeters of snow uh. the hotel went through several renovations including one in 1971 and another in preparation for the 1988 winter olympics okay in 2001 the hotel's name was changed to the fairmont banff springs as part of this rebranding effort oh it's such a gorgeous hotel it's beautiful i've <sighs> always wanted to go there <laughs> right so you ready for the ghosties oh i am so ready for ghosts millions of guests have checked into the banff spring hotel and while most of them have left, a few never checked out Ooh. and are to be- are believed to remain on the grounds of the hotel. Mm. <laughs> so the first apparition you may see is known as the bride. Okay. She's probably one of the most famous apparitions you may see at the hotel. She is so well known that there's even a stamp and a coin in oh. her image. Wow. You know, I read a lot of stories about how the hotel staff have no comment and they say that the hotel isn't haunted but you made
1: a coin (laughs) yeah unless you know it's like uh we gotta keep silence for the press you know you gotta come here if you want to see the spookies
0: the story dates to the 1920s and the story goes that on a young couple's wedding day the bride in her wedding dress descended the hotel's grand marble staircase and caught the hem of her dress under her foot, causing her to slip and fall. Other stories suggested that her gown brushed up against some candles and caught a blaze. Jesus! Okay, like, neither of those were good ways to go, but... oh, Right? Yeah. Causing her to fall down the stairs to her demise.
1: So either way, she did fall down those stairs. It's
0: just one's on fire and one's, one's... she's klutzy. Yeah. Whatever the cause... The bride died on the stairs. To this day, guests and hotel staff have been reported seeing a veiled figure moving up and down the staircase, or an apparition of a lady in a wedding dress dancing in the ballroom upstairs, pining for the first dance with her husband.
1: So does it say if they were already married or if like they were about to be
0: it didn't say. Okay. But I'm willing to say if it's like the day of. Yeah. Maybe they were going down to the reception. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. I'd like to think for her they were married. That would be nice. Just for the, for her. Right?
1: But She's still a ghost. She
0: might not have been haunting it if they actually did marry. Mm. I don't know. Maybe, maybe she is just waiting for that first dance. Maybe. We can <laughs> hope. <laughs> so our second apparition is sam the bellman this one makes me really happy (laughs) sam mcconically an older scotsman was head bellman during the 60s and 70s sam passed in 1975 and that is when the apparitions began to appear to say that sam loved his job was an understatement after retiring multiple times he was always drawn back to the role he loved so much Always joking with his colleagues that when he died he would return to haunt the hotel. I love that so much. Right? And it just happened. It brings so much joy to me. Sam was true to his word. <laughs> as he has been witnessed all over the hotel being helpful to staff and guests. Oh my gosh. Okay. But now he has a ghost shop.
1: He chose to come
0: back. I that's okay, fair, fair. <laughs> Like, I feel like if I was to haunt anything, it would not be my job. No, absolutely not, get me out of there. Right? <laughs> I would not choose to haunt my job. <laughs> so, one incident involved two elderly women calling the bell desk for assistance after they found their key would not work. The regular bellman was occupied with other duties and didn't respond for 15 minutes. By the time he arrived at their door, it was unlocked. One of the women said an older bellman in a plaid jacket matching Sam's description exactly had helped them. Aww. Right? Other stories include guests seeing Sam haunting his old office, now a guest room, on the mezzanine floor, as well as seeing apparitions and feeling cold spots on the 6th, 7th, and ninth floors of the hotel. He particularly frequents the ninth floor. It is also believed that he causes mysterious phantom lights and elevator doors opening and closing around him. Aww. Like, that's the kind of spirit I want in my life. Yeah, if you're going to be helpful, absolutely. Right? Our third apparition is room 873. Ooh. And there's some mystery behind this one. Oh. This room has many variations, but the main story goes that an entire family was murdered in this room. Oh my... God. We go from a helpful bellman to a murdered family. I know. Okay. Up and down. Got are in the mountains, okay? <laughs> it is believed that after an argument between a husband and wife, the husband went to the bar and got extremely intoxicated. He then proceeded to go back to the room and murder his wife and daughter before committing suicide. Like you do. You know, I never agree with... Doing that in a hotel. <laughs> At home, it's fine, but leaving the mess for somebody else. But like this poor woman, poor Susan's just trying to do her job, and she walks into that. Um, I would quit. That would be, you know,
1: that probably wasn't even the worst thing she's seen working in a hotel. I would
0: need lots of therapy. That yeah, a hundred
1: percent. Oh.
0: The staff at the hotel deny these stories, but after years of people claiming they were terrorized, the hotel eventually, permanently, sealed up the room. Oh. Some of the terrorizing was being awakened by blood-curdling screams. Oh, nope. Yeah, that one's that one's a hard pass. And a bloody handprint being left on mirrors that disappear before house clean- cleaning arrive. Or don't clean off at all depending on who's telling you the story mm. yeah and then there's just a few other little stories there have also been reports of an apparition of a bartender informing guests that they have maybe drank a little too much and it's time to go to bed he has been seen by staff and guests oh the staff that don't say anything right I wonder if maybe these staff members that like, are telling these stories no longer work there. Maybe. Maybe. There's an apparition of a headless man playing the bagpipes. Okay, how? Don't know. Don't know, but you know what? It it brought me joy. (laughs) Maybe he's with Sam the Bellman. Just dedicated. You know, bagpipes and a Scottish man. Maybe. I I don't know. Maybe. It brought me joy when I read it, so it's in here. Oh, man there's floating orbs odd noises and ghostly images have been captured while i cannot find a specific room number there are some rooms the staff have said are haunted guests have claimed pillows being yanked from under them while they slept or having even been pushed off the bed in the middle of the night rude that's rude right there i know so some of the ple- some of my references that I used was curiosity.com, hauntedrooms.com slash Canada, Spooky Things Online, or dot WordPress, and of course, Wikipedia. Of course. Of course. But yeah, that's my little home story for you. I also don't know if I mentioned this, but during their royal tour of Canada, King George the sixth and queen elizabeth the monarchs of canada visited the hotel in 1939 nice. during their royal tour so that's pretty cool that's pretty cool yeah and that's my spooky story oh i love that so. i love the mix of helpful and spook Huh? we were in the mountains i had to you know highs yeah. <laughs> <Hikes> and lows <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it was crazy and I found, like, I kind of stumbled upon it. Mm-hmm. I know it's, it's crazy to think, but, like, the ones closer to home, you don't really think too
1: much about. No, fair enough. You know, you're always looking for something further away, but there's a lot of creepy hauntings that take place right here in Canada. I know. Well, or Alberta, for that matter.
0: <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> I actually have quite a few lined up for Alberta. Oh, so, that's exciting. Yeah. It'll be Good.
1: Good awesome okay guys that wraps us up this week uh
0: you're gonna have to tune in next week to hear our c stories thank you so much for listening we'll see you next week thanks for tuning in to c is for creepy we put out weekly episodes every tuesday going through the creepy alphabet check out our website at acast.com slash c is for creepy or on facebook at C is for Creepy Podcast. Or on Instagram at C for Creepy Podcast.
1: If you have any questions, concerns, or suggestions, please email us at C for Creepy at gmail.com.
0: Artwork done by Alexis Daly. Check out her work at L E X X A underscore artwork on Instagram. See you next week. Bye.